This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville, Speedway, and 10th Street next to Ben Davis High School for great specials, including the two for $2.50 and two for $5. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey of the Kevin Kersey Agency. The Kevin Kersey Insurance Agency, a member of the Farmers Insurance Group, can help you with your home, life, auto, or business needs. We are located at 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg, and our phone number is 317-286-3481. We can also be found on Facebook at the Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. Indiana Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio. This is Luke Stevenson for the Central Indiana Innovation Hub. Central Indiana Innovation Hub provides space for individuals to meet and network for business-related needs. Central Indiana Innovation Hub is located at 5250 East U.S. Highway 36, Suite 1101 in Avon. More information can be found at indianahub.com. Our phone number is 317-696-3050. Office hours are Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 4. Tours of the facility are available. This is Donald James of Impact Youth Mentoring. Impact Youth is a not-for-profit mentoring organization providing mentoring services to the children of Hendricks County. We pair mentors ages 16 and older with youth in Hendricks County. Over the past five years, we have been able to impact over 120 children through our mentoring and tutoring programs. Information about becoming a mentor or finding a mentor for a child can be found at impactyouthmentoring.org or via email at impactyouth1010 at gmail.com. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County. The Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Today's program is made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency, 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg. And now here's your host, Rob Kendall. Welcome in to another edition of Central Indiana Today here on 98.9 WYRZ. I'm Rob Kendall. Thanks for joining us. Big show ahead of us today. Lots of guests. We're going to speak with former Major Leaguer Bill Sampin. Of course, the World Series begins tonight. We'll get his take on the Cubs breaking the curse. We'll talk about playing in Wrigley Field, what it was like to play against some of baseball's best. And we'll talk about what being in the World Series might mean for these guys. We're also going to talk with uh, some students from Cascade High School. They're doing a great event to honor our veterans on Veterans Day. But first, we get to a big issue facing 
everybody in the state of Indiana. It is a constitutional ballot amendment, which you can vote on this fall. When you go in to vote, it will be on your ballot on a constitutional right to hunt and fish, whether it should be put into the Indiana Constitution. This is a big issue in light of the presidential race and the big U.S. Senate race, governor's race, not getting a whole lot of attention, but it's something you got to be educated on. So in order to try to provide a little bit more information on what's kind of been a confusing topic, we sat down and talked with uh, Brent Steele, Senator Brent Steele, who is the author of the Constitutional Amendment on the right to hunt and fish. Try to get some more information on what you'll be voting on. Here's that conversation. Senator Steele, thanks for being with us. Tell us a little bit about this Constitutional Amendment, what it is, and uh, what's in it. Just what it says it is. It's to amend the Constitution to guarantee and protect the right to hunt and fish. We're not the first state to do it, to have done it. We're, there's already been 18 states who have followed, uh, who have done this, followed this course of action. Surprisingly, the very first one was Vermont back in 1777 when our country was just being first formed. And um, basically, it's, I can talk about it on two fronts. It, there's the fact that hunting and fishing is a part of our heritage, and uh, I have four sons that I raised, and I took them hunting and fishing. And I'd always heard the old saying that if you hunt with your boys, you won't have to hunt for them. You spend in the field time in the field or on the lake with them, you won't have to spend time in juvenile court with them. I found that to, I found that to be true. Um, and uh, we, if you want to talk about it from just a financial point of view. We've got over 17,000 Hoosiers who have jobs related to hunting and fishing in Indiana, according to um, the best records that we can find in the state of Indiana. We also garner about $840 million of income to the state. That's not just from hunting and fishing licenses, but it's also uh, from uh, federal Dingle Johnson uh, monies and the federal Captain Roberts monies and then expenditures in Indiana by uh, not only residents, but out-of-state hunters and fishers for such things as food, lodging, transportation, hunting, and sporting equipment, uh, gasoline, uh, those kinds of things. But the total revenue is about $820 million, and that's been a pretty consistent figure uh, through so, the year. So. so think it's there, if you would, though, the need for a constitutional amendment, because obviously that's much different than a well, law. The, what, what, I was triggered that. Well, there have been there are several anti-hunting organizations out there that have uh, tried to get hunting outlawed. I'll give you one example: the the Humane Society for the United States of America. They came and testified in committee that they were they didn't have anything against hunting, and I cross-examined them pretty strongly, and they couldn't. They admitted I was right. They got red-faced, in fact, uh, when I pointed out that on their own website they say they belong. They believe in subsistence hunting. In other words, if you're out here and you're starving to death and all the supermarkets are closed and uh, we're in Armageddon or something, you're allowed to kill something to eat to save yourself from starving. They don't believe in sport hunting at all. And In fact, one of their manifestos is that they would like to relegate the, the sport hunting to the same thing as dog fighting. They equate deer hunting, dove hunting, uh, quail hunting, duck hunting, they equate that, they equate that with dog fighting. And these, this is a very well-funded organization in the millions of dollars, and they spend millions of dollars in litigation. 
So uh, I make no bones about it. I've always been up front. I want to protect our Hoosiers. Uh, I want to guarantee as much as I possibly can the right to hunt and fish. Now, they were even, the anti-hunters are saying that my bill uh, strips the state of Indiana, or my amendment is, is strips the state of Indiana from having any authority to control uh, the hunting regulations through the DNR, that it'll just be people running amok and, and over private property and everything. And in fact, it's just exactly uh, the opposite. Uh, the, the amendment and the article says, and the one people will see on the ballot will state specifically that it's subject to the laws of the state of Indiana adopted by the legislature and by the Department of Natural Resources. Senator Steele, that's an issue that has some people concerned that... that, that well, they shouldn't be concerned. There. Well, they shouldn't be concerned. It's not going to be any business any different than it has been already. Our legislature creates the administrative... We fund administrative offices that the governor... Uh, he appoints the administrators to his executive offices. He appoints the director of the DNR. The DNR is an administrative agency. We fund it. That's never going to change. They're always going to have control of the hunting regulations. They'll control the seasons. They'll control the bag limits. And uh, it's not going to be anything. It's going to be business as usual in that regard. Uh, again, I guess Senator Brent Steele talking a little bit about the constitutional amendment that will be on your uh, ballot this fall uh, about a, a constitutional right to, to hunt and to uh, to fish. Uh, take us through the process of getting this thing to a constitutional uh, the constitutional amendment on the ballot. What was that process like? Well, you, it's the same on any time you amend the Constitution. You have to get the amendment uh, in identical form through two differently, separately elected legislators, legislatures. So I passed it last year, or the year before last, and I got it through this year. Then it goes on the ballot in, in, in uh, 2016, which the Hoosiers will see uh, in on the ballot, those who have already voted will have seen it. I think it's on my voting machine down in Lawrence County was the very first question. When you open up your voting machine, that's the very first one that appears. Are you concerned, are you seriously concerned that if this constitutional amendment doesn't pass, that these outside organizations will be able to affect Hoosiers' ability to hunt and fish in the near future? I am, and I wouldn't have spent uh, my legislative time and, and energy on this uh, if I hadn't been concerned, and and if and if my concern is false, and I'm seeing alligators in mud puddles, so to speak, then 18 other states or legislators, men and women in the houses and senates of 18 other states, are seeing alligators in mud puddles as well. This is um, this is this is a for sure something that that um, men and women, both Republican and Democrat. Uh, in 18 other states that felt worthy of, uh, of addressing. And I thought it was worthy for Hoosiers as well. What sort of response have you received? It's obviously you've got to go talk to folks like me all around the state, and you talk to Hoosiers, not just radio or TV people, but people that are actually voting. What sort of uh, response have you uh, received as you rolled out this amendment uh, to the Constitution? Well, I've had a wonderful response. Um my hometown and the people in my community have come up to me and, and they say, I voted for your, your amendment. Uh, I thought it was right. I knew that was going to happen because I'd polled on this very issue in my district 
uh, on previous occasions, and I would always get 85 to 88% people in favor of this. They want that right protected. Uh, and that's a huge, that's a very high poll. Uh, seldom do you ask anything that you get that high of a response. So I knew it was well-received. It's being well-received, and it went through the legislature. I mean, I was I was getting, you know, usually 44, 45 votes out of 50 in the Senate, and usually 78 to 80, somewhere in there, out of the uh, House of Representatives, as the best of my recollection is. But I, I got high vote totals out of both houses when it went through. So um, I, I assumed that the other legislators were getting the same response from their constituents back home that they liked that idea, too. Uh, and, and you've had some bipartisan support on this uh, this issue as well. Oh yes, oh yes. You don't get you don't get 44, 45 votes out of the, the Senate and 80 votes out of the House without having bipartisan support. Uh, okay. Well, as we wrap up our, our time with you, and again, we want to thank you very much for uh, for talking uh, walking us through this. Why you brought this uh, amendment forward? Uh, what's the the final? 18, 19 days look like for you as you continue to try to educate people on the importance of passing this uh, constitutional amendment? Well, I just keep trying to, you know, the, the opposition on this is putting out a lot of uh, smoke and, and everything's a red herring. They always try to use, the, the only thing they've got left is to say you're losing local control and if the people will take the time to read the amendment, they'll see they're not at all. And uh, so I'm, I just keep talking and telling the truth. Hey, Senator Steele, we want to thank you so much for taking time to explain uh, to some of our folks here in central Indiana about the constitutional amendment. All right, sir. I appreciate the opportunity to get my voice out. Special thanks to Senator Brent Steele, author of the constitutional amendment on your ballot uh, that you'll have a chance to vote on this fall on the constitutional uh, right to hunt and fish. It'll be very interesting to see how that uh, that goes at the ballot box on November 8th or early voting if you uh, if you decide to uh, do that. Keeping the show rolling now, of course, it is World Series season. World Series begins tonight. One of the most anticipated World Series probably ever as two teams that are trying to unlock a whole lot of bad luck and maybe some people might say a curse or two the Chicago Cubs and Cleveland Indians are about to do battle the first pitch will be tonight at eight o'clock and to help give us a little preview give us the mindset of what it's like to play in big major league baseball games and what it's like to play at Wrigley Field a guy who did a whole lot of that throughout his career his name is Bill Sampin he is a uh, former major leaguer now a Brownsburg resident uh, currently uh, living in Brownsburg running Sam's Hack Shack which uh, teaches young kids how to play the game of baseball. Uh, Bill Salmon was kind enough to stop by and tell us a little bit about all that and a whole bunch more. Here's that conversation. Well, this time we have the privilege of speaking with our good friend. He's a former Major League Baseball player, Bill Sampin. Bill, how are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you. And uh, for those, of course, who don't know, you own a business right here in Brownsburg, Samp's uh, Hack Shack. True enough. And, uh, of course, you played, uh, what, what years did you play? I originally signed in 85, played at the Major League level from 90 through 94. So, um, did you ever envision what it'd be like playing a World Series? Did you ever think about it? Yeah, for sure. Thought about it. Never had the opportunity to do it. But um, I think it's something if you're playing professionally, especially that's that's kind of a dream of every player. I mean, is it something like you? Because baseball is such a numbers a numbers game. It's an individual numbers game. You know, all these unlike any other sport. But there is a huge team concept to it. Would you have rather had a great individual career or won a World Series? Like, where do guys fall on that sort of thing? Yes, <laughs> both. Both. Yes, yeah. to both. Well, I mean, I, I think. 
it is it is very much a team game. However, I've heard people say it kind of this way. I want a team full of selfish players in some regards because part of the selfishness is pushing yourself and driving yourself to be very successful on the field. So if you get a bunch of guys who can do that within the framework of a team, you've really got something. And yeah. I think guys want – obviously everybody wants individual success. But I think it, I think at the end of the, end of the day, everybody would trade that in for a World Series. Yeah, and you pitched in Wrigley Field quite a bit. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. What was it like to pitch in Wrigley Field? Uh, wind blowing in or wind blowing out? Uh, both. Yeah, um, really fun when the wind's blowing in. Um, a little perilous if the wind's blowing out. Yeah. But honestly, I, I loved pitching there. The Cubs had a lot of right-handed hitters, so I pitched a lot there. And uh, that was in the Greg Maddox days, so the infield grass was pretty long. Yeah. And as a two-seam sinker guy, <laughs> as long as I kept the ball down, uh, the ball didn't carry very well through the grass. So it was it was okay as long as the ball was down. Now, we, t- we talked about this last time you were on the show, um, and pretty much every time you're, you're on the show, but you, I think it would be a lot of fun to watch a baseball game with because you're not watching. You see things that other people don't, don't see, right? Uh, yeah, I hope so. Um, because that's your job, is to make well, people is. better baseball players. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I do think I see things probably from a different perspective. I, you know, I don't, everybody asks who you're rooting for. I, I don't root for anyone. I just, I love the game, uh, which actually makes me, gives me the ability to watch completely objectively yeah. um, and from a different perspective. So, uh, yeah, I think I see it a little differently probably than some people because I've, I've, I've been there and seen it at, at a different level than others have. Um, again, our guest is Bill Sampin, former Major League Baseball player. Uh, so you're watching that series against the Dodgers, and and I really felt like the Dodgers were the best matchup for the Cubs, just because, just from a pitching perspective, from the guys they had on the team. I really felt even even when they were shut out two games in a row, really felt like the Cubs were still the best team in that series. Oh, I think so, and I think I think at least on paper the Cubs are the best team in baseball. And when you match their pitching depth, their starting pitching depth to begin with against any other team. Um, they're going to come out on top on paper. And the Dodgers pitched well a couple of times, and the Cubs weren't swinging it real well. But that is the advantage of a seven-game series, too. Those things do balance out just a little bit. Is it? It's interesting because people, you know, for years and years, years, the curse of the Cubs, the Bartman, the Billy Goat, the Black Cat. These guys, most of them are so young. I mean, a huge portion of them are 25 and less. They don't care about any of that stuff, right? No, I think the, the they, they probably have heard of the goat, but they don't really care about the goat at all. Because uh, yeah, that, that's that's not any part of their career, and um, I think they their desire is just simply that that's a great city. It's great baseball fans. They love baseball. And you can't help but want to win there for those people. When you would go into Chicago, because you spent a huge portion of your career in the National League, mm-hmm. you'd go into Chicago. Were you guys like aware of that? Would you mock the Cubs about things like that? No. Um, no, I don't think so, because honestly, they've had good players. I mean, when I think about the guys that were there when, when we would go into town, they were their lineup was stacked. I mean, they, they had quality pitching. They just didn't win. But – at the same time, as a player, you recognize how hard it is to win. Yeah. I mean, fans expect to win, right? But but it's really, really difficult to win, especially in a game of baseball. 162 games, there's so much goes into injuries and, and, and some luck. And uh, those things can swing really quickly and really devastate a team over the long haul. So I've been thinking about this the last couple of days because, of course, it was euphoria and pandemonium in my house when they, they finally uh, they finally won. But I've been thinking about the last couple of days and thinking, man, was I just childish and stupid for my first 32 years believing in 
curses and goats and Bartmans and everything else. Like, was I childish? Was I stupid? I mean, it's a how you couldn't make seventy-one years up, right? I mean, you couldn't make this this story up. Do you want me to answer that childish, stupid question? Yeah, you gotta go for that because yeah, people th- call yeah, me a lot I worse think than you that. probably were. Yeah, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> again, it's just hard to win, and um, uh, you know, we playing in Montreal was a hockey town, right? And right. those people expected to be in the playoffs every year because you are in hockey, right? Um, baseball is just not that way, and there's so much that goes into it. So it is, it is shocking that as good of players as the Cubs have had over the years that it's been this long. Yeah. But um, I think it is uh, – I don't think it has anything to do with the GOAT. Um, I think it just – it's an indicator of how hard it is to win. So we league. were all really stupid for a long time, right? Well, you know. I mean, think about it. Er- er- Ernie Banks and Billy Williams and Ron Sano and right. Greg Maddox and Ryan Sandberg. And, I mean, just, 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 just how could you go 71 years and not win? I tough, mean – Tough game. <laughs> It is. So baseball is such a superstitious game. Does that play on the minds of people? Is it maybe a bigger deal in baseball than, say, it would be in, in basketball? Or you mentioned hockey. I mean, because everything is. It's numbers. It's 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 superstition. It's all those sort of things. Even from a player standpoint? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think if you talk to any player, you know, not only in the current era, but even in the past, I don't think that really was even in their in their minds no. at all. So I mean, it's, it's in the fans' minds, but not the players' minds. Yeah, when you got, uh, you know, let's just say you got Ryan Sandberg at the plate um, or Ryan Sandberg is facing, you know, whatever dominant pitcher, he's not thinking about a goat. <laughs> you know, he's got 93 <laughs> with sink coming at him, so he's not worried about a goat. <laughs> Does, does that stuff play on your mind? I mean, at any point, let's let's say like um, I thought the better example of this was in the NLCS, and I was very, I mean, I was a very bad fan after uh, after game uh, game three. I was very uh, when Chapman gave up the big one. Um, I was very, I was bad. I, I misbehaved. And uh, as a player, does that stuff start to build? I mean, after a while, maybe not when the ball's coming at you, but you're in between innings, you're walking back and forth in the dugout. Do those things play on you at all? Oh, it, it is a very much a mental game. Yeah, and I think that that is definitely on a player's mind. I mean, fighting that, fighting a, whether it's a slump or struggling to get people out. Yeah, that's real. That's there. That's not a goat. That's just <laughs> that's just the game. And um, you know, I think the guys that are the greatest players long run are the guys in many regards who are best able to handle that handle the mental side of the game it, it it's interesting interest is bill sampin former major league player now owner of a sam's hack shack here in brownsburg um you work with young kids all the time that's what you do now i'm curious um it's only been a couple days but the reaction you've had from them because there's so many cubs fans around here i mean i assume this was a huge deal for a lot of the kids you work with yeah and to be honest with you probably more their parents because uh, kids today are far less into watching baseball games um, than I would like for them to be because you you can learn a lot about how to play by you know by watching but um we had a lot of parents wearing Cubs stuff I'll tell you that yeah because they mentioned that the ratings were the best since I think 2010 and I was you just touched on the ratings of baseball and I was floor thinking how could anything have ever been bigger than the Cubs game six in the NLCS? And they were just that you, I think you touched on it. People just aren't watching baseball, um, you know, by the standard, by today's standards, the ratings were astronomical, mm-hmm. but even six, seven years ago, the, it still didn't reach that number. Yeah. And I think that's probably at least a couple of things that come to my mind. One, kids don't watch as much. They have more options. Um, yeah. you know, they have more things to do. Secondly, there's games on all the time. Yeah. I mean, back when I was a kid, there was a, a game of the week yep. and you were watching it. But now with, 
you know, with ESPN and games available all the time, I think that probably even carries over uh, into postseason. If you're not watching during the season, you're probably not going to watch postseason. When you're, it's interesting because baseball is so. Um, they're, they're, it seems like no matter what sport it is, it becomes a game of inches. You know, football, it always seems to come down to a, a field goal mm-hmm. or, or a, a play at the goal line. You know, basketball, it's a shot at the end of the game that, that, you know, could go one way or another. Baseball, a lot of times, it comes down to one great closer against one one great hitter. Mm-hmm. And the Cubs had that in game three against the Giants when you have your rock on the mound, you know, the Cuban missile up there throwing 104, mm-hmm. and they give it up. Were you surprised at how fast they bounced back? Because, I mean, that's a huge loss to have your guy that you traded this great young player for, the history of the Cubs, you know, of, of, of great collapses and things like that nature. I was very surprised they were able to rally in Game 4, given what they went through in Game 3. Yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's what they do, you know. And I, I think when you play that long of a season and, and you've played for that many years, by the time you got there, you you have to recognize the level of failure in the game and that it happens and while that's a bigger stage it's still really just another failure and tomorrow's another day were you able to recover quick like that I mean you weren't throwing 105 but you were a good pitcher were you able to recover quick um well if I'd have thrown 105 I would have recovered a lot faster I'll tell you that (laughs) um but no no I think I, I I took failure hard you know I think I probably learned to deal with it better over time but that's kind of what I was referring to earlier guys who are really able to set that aside and move on there's a reason they're great it's not just talent I mean it is the mental side and that it it is hard because Chapman to me he almost looks disinterested at times like when he's out there like whatever you know give up a hit fine don't find I'm sure he cares but it's just it, it, it is almost infuriating to watch the guy pitch and go you throw 105 miles an hour and you look like you could care less yeah and I think that's I think that you have to have some of that as a player you know to keep that even keel typically the guys who are emotional on the mound that doesn't usually end well yeah you know because you if you're if you're going to let the last pitch, the last hitter, the last game stay with you like that toward the point where it's 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 emotional, yeah. then it's harder to bounce back and get yourself back where you need to be mentally. All right, World Series starts tonight. The Cubs are in the World Series. The Cubs I are heard. in the World Series. It's I so heard great. That. They are on paper the favorite, but I think I think they have some matchup troubles with the Indians. What do you think? Well, the Indians are obviously very very good. I mean that's an understatement, but I. I kind of struggle to see the Cubs being outmatched on paper by much of anyone. Again, I mentioned previously the the depth of their starting pitching. When you've got you know an Arietta as a as a, a three right. so far in the postseason, and Lackey with the experience and success he has in the postseason as a four, that's pretty good depth. Um, and then you got you know the back end of their bullpen is as good as anybody. So. Um, I you know I always start with pitching not simply because I was one that's where the game starts right if that's not there nothing else matters and they're really really good on the mound you look at a guy like an Andrew it's interesting this 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 postseason has been unlike any postseason I've heard a lot of things saying the stat nerds have finally taken over baseball mm-hmm. because you see a guy like an Andrew Miller and, and I think this for years and years and years I've thought thought in the postseason why wouldn't you pitch your closer in the fifth inning or sixth inning mm-hmm. if you have to because you got to win to 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 move on a guy like an Andrew Miller is pitching two or three innings in the fifth inning now mm-hmm. um, it I, I think that creates a huge matchup problem potentially for the Cubs when you can uh, you know if maybe if you played the Indians 162 times you'd win more games but when you can face that guy you know three innings a game that's tough well it is tough and I think he's a matchup problem for anyone uh no matter the team no matter whether you swing right or left-handed right now the way he's throwing he's just he's lights out he looks untouchable and he is he's in the zone like 
like probably no one has been over the last however many innings, 10, 14 innings, whatever he's thrown recently. Um, at the same time, you know, as we know, that all can change too. You know, that's that's one bad break, one bad yeah. pitch. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, he is a weapon yeah. uh, for sure to be able to bring him in at any time, you know, from the fifth on. Would you have been able to do that? Like they say, okay, hey, Sam, but you're going to come in and you could, cause you're so used to, I'm going to pitch an inning today and then maybe have a day off and then I'm going to come back and pitch maybe an inning. You did pitch some long relief, but hey, right now, boom, boom, boom. It could be three days in a row, you know, or two days in a row. You're pitching three innings and then maybe you're coming back pitching two. Are, are players trained to do that now? Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of part of what you have to do, and and again, I think understanding yourself as a pitcher, and I I don't like this phrase, but the whole staying within yourself, you know, not trying to do too much pitching rather than throwing, um, you're not going to feel as fresh, obviously, on day three as you did day one. But if you understand what it is you're trying to do and and, and what you're trying to accomplish. You know, a veteran guy like him um, can bounce back usually. Some guys bounce back better than others. I'm curious of this because I love watching the pitching coaches come out to the mound. And I'm always fascinated. It's one grown man talking to another grown man. Uh, one grown man is much higher paid than the man who's telling him what to do. True. Would you be able to go out there and talk? Because you do so well with young kids, but would you be able to go out and, and be an effective coach, do you think, in the major leagues? I mean, do they listen to their pitching coach? Oh yeah, yeah they do, and it's uh, you know a lot of times what they're they're trying to get them back on track mentally or trying to formulate you know the plan. Hey, here's what we're going to try to do this this next hitter, you know it, because if you just walk someone or somebody just hit a, hit a ball in the gap, you know sometimes you just need something to help bring you right. back. They're not really they're not giving them any mechanical tips or anything like that typically. So, so like you said, it's a it's a grown man talking to a grown man, and you guys got the same goal in mind. So it's. Would you, um, were you ever like when you saw the pitching coach coming out? Were you like, dude, just get out of my way? Yeah, I want to keep time. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, you got to be nice to him, right? Yeah, you really don't want to chat <laughs> at that point, and usually you don't want your catcher. But but you, you do understand what they're trying to do, sure. You know, so some sometimes they're more welcome than others. But if you're kicking yourself in the seat, usually you don't need any help doing that. You're such a great baseball mind. Would you ever be interested in coaching on that level? No. No, I don't. I don't think so. It's a, it, it's different. I, I like what I do. I like the idea of having kids of all ages, all talent levels, trying to help them have a little more success, a little more confidence. That's just a whole nother world. And the travel, you know, it's part of the reason I got out. So you're pretty non-emotional about baseball. I think being a pitcher, you have to be. But a little bit of you, I know, was smiling on Saturday night, right? I mean, you were. You were feeling pretty good for for what? all the for all the fans out there. What happened Saturday? <laughs> when the you know when the Cubs uh, oh the Cubs, Cubs won you know, when that's the Cubs right. won the World oh, Series right. you know yeah. first well, time seventy one years. Yeah, I mean I, I I grew up in Central Illinois and so that was kind of split Cardinal Cub territory and um, so yeah C- Cub fans have been uh, kind of dear to me for a long time <laughs> I and I know I know their pain so I'm I'm happy for all of you. I want to close with this because you played against some outstanding players you played at a time where baseball was sort of transitioning into that power Mm -hmm. era later became known as the the steroid era which we've talked about in the past but you played against some phenomenal guys whether it was legitimate or not the Barry Bonds of the world Mark McGuire's guys like that you see a Javier Baez today and I'm watching him and going I don't know if there's ever been a player like him before are we in a new era of players Oh, I think so. I, I think if you look at the young middle infielders in baseball yeah. uh, and the power that they possess, it's it's unprecedented. You know, there there was a day where, you know, your middle your middle guys could be less offensive and more defensive, whether that be shortstop, second base catching. 
that's not really the, t- the case with any position anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an offensive league and an offensive game. And, yeah, those guys, there's some guys in the league that are, that are literally unbelievable. Because I was just thinking, you know, Sandberg is obviously one of the probably top five second basemen of all time, certainly the greatest Cubs second baseman. Baez is making plays that Sandberg would have never dreamed of making. Well, I think that's one of the differences is the athleticism. You know, not just the power but the athleticism of the middle infielders. Now, they have both. And there's been great players in the past that maybe possessed one or the other. You know, Cal Ripken was kind of a you know bigger sure. shortstop power guy, not near the athleticism, frankly, not even the power that right. these guys have. Right. Uh, and he's one of the all-time greats. So, yeah, I think it's, it, is a, it is a new era for sure. And, and it's just phenomenal to me, the plays, the tags, the way he's able to do that. I mean, Sandberg was such a great sec- defensive second baseman. That was what he was known for, the errorless game streak, all the gold gloves. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, he never – I mean, he was a great fundamental player, but never these tags and these these plays in the hole. I no, mean, he's, he's, he's freakishly athletic. And I, I think Robbie Alomar maybe is one guy that comes to mind that was yeah. a little bit along those lines. You know, really good athlete, had a little zip in his bat um so he was maybe a little bit ahead of his time and he swung it from both sides but yeah the number of guys and the athleticism that they possess with power now is unprecedented uh, what about replay i hate replay i think it's awful i think they're missing plays i think the standard to overturn a play is ridiculous uh, should they get rid of replay i i don't like it at all and i i don't i don't like the whole you know well let's get it right because to me uh and i've said this on many occasions in talking with people about this to me there are more calls missed ball and strike than any other part of the game and you can say well that's just one pitch but it's not just one pitch because the impact of one pitch changes the count which changes the hitter's mindset changes the pitcher's mindset and I would hate to see them go to that. I think it's part of the game, the human element. And they're going to, you know, you know, this umpire, he's a little wide on the outside corner. He stretches a little down low. That, to me, is part of the game. I, I don't like any of it. But. Bill, uh, I, I want to close with this. Um, every young kid's dream is, is to play in the World Series. And you have a, a, a son now in college who's a phenomenal baseball player and may someday be following in your footsteps at the at the major league level had a great year in college this year what do you what do you tell him about what is going on in baseball right now I mean is there are there certain players you're telling him to watch are you telling him anything specific out of this this postseason how are you advising young young people especially guys like your son who, who are on the cusp of something great uh, about what they're seeing in baseball right now well I, I I just try to continue to teach kids to first first and foremost play because you love the game and enjoy the game and work at it to get better because it helps you enjoy the game more uh, along along with that then you you have to be you you know Javi Baez is Javi Baez no one else in town is yeah (laughs) right and so so you can't try to be something that you're not just be yourself and work at it and let your let your tools develop however they will and you really can't control any of the rest of it. Well, I would imagine Baez, and to close on this because you coach kids, is a great teaching tool for you because Baez was a guy who drafted with all sorts of potential, came up, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, not because he wasn't talented, but he was swinging for the fences, mm-hmm. striking out 40% of the time. He listened to his coaches and has now very quickly become a phenomenal player. And if, you probably tell people, if you'll just listen to guys like me, we can make you better. Well, I, I think a lot of times failure is your best teacher. It'll either cause you to fold or it'll cause you, cause you to, to, to work and make some changes. And he's obviously a kid who is willing to 
to make some changes in his game. Strikeouts have gone down, you know, incredibly. Um, and with when you've got the tools that he does and the bat speed that he generates, if you put the barrel on it, you're going to do some damage. All right, close with this. Prediction. Prediction for the World Series. Well, if I said anything but the Cubs, would it even air? <laughs> we, don't, we don't hold that against you. You know, we're open. I'll be very disappointed in you as my friend. But yeah. I, No, I, I would pick the Cubs. I don't think you can – you can't count Francona and the Indians out. I mean, he's a good, great mind over there too. But I think the Cubs, uh, the depth in their lineup, the depth in their pitching, uh, both starting in and back into their bullpen, I think is enough to get it done. Bill, thanks for being with us, and thanks for, uh, for all you do for young kids. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Well, special thanks to former Major Leaguer Bill Sampin taking the time to stop by. Tell us a little bit about what maybe some of these guys are going through as they get ready to play in the World Series, which starts tonight. Want to wrap up our show today. You know, uh, one of the great school systems here in Hendricks County is Mill Creek, and that is Cascade High School. And the students at Cascade, they're always doing great work. Of course, we've had our, our good friend John Acton, principal out there on the show before. Just phenomenal things going on at, Ca at Cascade High School. And one of the things they're doing is they're working on a project for Veterans Day. They're going to pay tribute to all the great veterans uh, that have served our nation. And a couple of their students, Laura and Cordell, were kind enough to sit down with me talk a little bit about the project which is going to be on veterans day it's going to be uh at cascade high school they're going to be uh creating what is called the uh Cask the cascade high school veterans memorial and uh again the public will be invited to this big event it's just very nice to see young people stepping out and paying tribute to our veterans and we wanted to uh, definitely let the public know about this big event that'll be going on on november uh the 11th from 10 a.m until 11 15 a.m so here Here's a conversation with Laura and Cordell, seniors at the Cascade High School. Laura, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with this uh, project, the Veterans Memorial Project at the Cascade High School. Uh, my government teacher uh, brought the idea to us, and um, it was something that I know would be around for many years, and whenever I come back to Cascade, I'd see it. Uh, so I wanted to be involved in something that would last. Give us a few of the details of the project. Um, we'll be hosting a ceremony from 10.15 to 11, and we'll be um, dedicating the flags, and then we'll have a luncheon afterwards, and we'll have cake and drinks. And what do you both hope people take away from this uh, Veterans Memorial that's coming to the Cascade High School, uh, in particular your classmates here? Uh, I hope they have a respect for the veterans that served our country um, and that Cascade cares about the people that fight for us. I think nowadays it's kind of in that some people support, some people don't. I think it dropped off after the war, and I think now with the election coming up, it's starting to drop again just because a lot of people just think it's kind of stupid at this point. But I think for the military and other aspects that the people are more used to seeing, it's kind of still going up. Why was this something you think so many of your classmates at the Cascade High School wanted to be involved in? I think it's important to our students as well because um, a lot of them do go into the military. Um, it's something dedicated to them also. A lot of people don't know, kind of forget about the veterans that come back, and it's kind of a day where you can sit down and remember all that they've done. When you guys come back in 10 or 15 years and look at this Veterans Memorial Project at the Cascade High School, what do, what do you hope the lasting legacy is? I think the lasting legacy is a school that remembers its veterans. Because, I mean, like Laura said, um, we do have our fair share of 
cadets that do go on to military. We just had a Air Force lieutenant who came back to speak to our class, and she's currently stationed in Germany. And we have another senior who graduated a year or two ago who just passed Air Force boot camp. What do you think this Veterans Memorial Project will mean to the community? It means different things to different people. I think for a lot of people, they've had someone who served, so I think it kind of gives them a good chance to appreciate them. Well, special thanks to Laura and Cordell, seniors at the Cascade High School, telling us a little bit about their Veterans Memorial Project. And again, the public is invited to that. It's going to be at the Cascade High School in Clayton, uh, right right there in the front. It's going to be right there in the front from uh, uh, 10 a.m. until 11.15 on uh, November the 11th. Well, that's going to do it for us today. We want to thank all of our guests, including uh, Senator Indiana Senator Brent Steele. also want to thank former Major League Baseball player Bill Sampin and uh, also our students from the Cascade High School. Don't forget, if you missed any part of the show, uh, podcast now available, presented by McDonald's on SoundCloud and iTunes, as well as our website, wyrz.org. Until next time, I'm Rob Kendall saying have yourself a great evening. You've been listening to the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency, 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg. An archive of today's program can be heard at our website, wyrz.org. Tune in next time for another edition of the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today with your host, Rob Kendall. This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville, Speedway, and 10th Street, next to Ben Davis High School, for great specials, including the two for $2.50 and two for $5. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey. Since 1968, our family has been helping customers with their insurance needs. We provide insurance coverage for life, home, auto, and recreational vehicles. We are located at 701 North Green Street in Brownsburg, and our phone number is 317-286-3481. The Kevin Kersey Agency can also be found on Facebook at The Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. The Kevin Kersey Agency is a proud member of the Farmers Insurance Group. This is Luke Stevenson for the Central Indiana Innovation Hub. Central Indiana Innovation Hub provides space for individuals to meet and network for business-related needs. Central Indiana Innovation Hub is located at 5250 East U.S. Highway 36, Suite 1101 in Avon. More information can be found at indianahub.com. Our phone number is 317-696-3050. Office hours are Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 4. Tours of the facility are available. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County.
This is Donald James of Impact Youth Mentoring. Impact Youth is a not-for-profit mentoring organization providing mentoring services to the children of Hendricks County. We pair mentors ages 16 and older with youth in Hendricks County. Over the past five years, we have been able to impact over 120 children through our mentoring and tutoring programs. Information about becoming a mentor or finding a mentor for a child can be found at impactyouthmentoring.org or via email at impactyouth1010 at gmail.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio.